Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Funny Podcast, where laughter is a main course and humor is always on the menu. So let's get started, and here's your daily dose of funny. It is so nice to be uh, in Utah, actually, and uh, it's even nicer they dropped the charges and let me come back to your fine state. So <laughs> it's always a good thing. Ah. Uh, about eight or nine years ago, my wife and I picked up my oldest boy at the uh, Fort Campbell. Uh, he did six years. He served six years with the 101st Airborne. And uh, thank you. So we pick him up and we're driving back. We live in Nashville. It's about an hour and a half drive. So we're driving back. And I asked my uh, son, now that you're out of the military, you've had six years to think about it. What are your plans? A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And he said, well, I was kind of hoping I could move back home while I reacclimate to civilian life. I said, so you haven't thought about it, have you? <laughs> he said, no. I said, all right. Well, you've earned it. Take all the time you need. <laughs> 19 months into the acclimating process, my wife grabs me in the hall one afternoon. How long does it take to acclimate? I said, I don't know, I never had to. Go downstairs and talk to that boy. So I went downstairs, I uh, politely asked my 26-year-old son, pause your video game, I need your full attention on this one. <laughs> Mom and I were a little curious. Did the Army teach you a skill, something you can use to get employment and move out? I want you to understand something, young man. Your mother and I want grandchildren. We've earned grandchildren. And we worship a God of miracles. We believe out of three billion women on this planet, God has chosen one of those women for you to breed with. We just don't think she's gonna fall through our vent and land in your lap down here in the basement. So did you learn anything? He thought about it. He said, you know, I could kill you six ways with a popsicle stick. All right. You enjoy that video game, my man. And let mom and I know when you're done doing that acclimating thing. So I run upstairs and Tammy says to me, what'd he say? He said, get rid of the fudge sickles because he's going on a diet. That's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if the army fed him for six years. He was literally eating us out of house. My wife and I started hiding food in our bedroom to keep it from our son. I'm not lying, that's pathetic, it really is. We had a stash of brownies and muffins in the nightstand next to our bed. So late at night, we get all excited, run down the hall, hold hands, lock the bedroom door. I'm sure he thought we were doing something else, but we were, we were just under the covers eating brownies and laughing at him. Yeah, it, Really, you hit 50, your life gets pathetic. It really does. The, the brownies are here. We'd, we'd run down the hall, lock the door. Hurry, he's gonna smell these and want one. I know it, they're ours, they're not his. 
And the truth be known, that's all we do in our bed anymore anyway is eat. We, uh, really, we bought a select comfort bed. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but each side of the bed has its own number. The higher the number, the harder the mattress. My side of the bed, 100. Marble slab, that's it. <laughs> Tammy's number's two. First night she laid on her side of the bed, she literally disappeared from my view. <laughs> mattress wrapped around her like a flour tortilla. Poor thing was sleeping in a fajita on her side of the bed. So I roll over to kiss her goodnight. I fall into a ditch. I can't get out. I'm like laying there. She's going, get off of me. What are you doing over here? Get off of me. By the way, if you're a newlywed, that's the sound of 32 years of love right there. Yeah. Yes. You're on my hair. You haven't shaved. Your breath smells. Stop touching me. Ah. Don't get me wrong, we still try to get romantic. We just save it for special holidays now. <laughs> Turns out Tammy's favorite is leap year. So, yeah. yeah. I didn't even know that was a holiday. I really didn't. I'll dim the lights and put on some Sade and Tammy says, wow, has it been four years already? <laughs> All right, I'll get the good flannel and the hunting socks on tonight. Jeff. Nah, we're married, we try. We just, we just know how much time and energy it actually takes and we prefer to watch Law & Order. That's just, <laughs> just the way it's worked out. My wife falls asleep at 9.15 every night. You could set a watch by her body. At 9.10, you look at her on the couch in our living room, it's like a gas leak goes off. Just, Sweetheart, maybe you should go to bed. Oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. What are you, a five-year-old? Quit fighting it, just go to bed. Will you be quiet? This is my favorite show. Poor woman's seen the beginning of every Law & Order for five seasons. And now they come out and rerun and she's yelling at me. I've seen this one. Well, give it 20 minutes. People ask, too, they ask me, is your wife aware of the way you talk about her? No, so don't be Facebooking her. <laughs> this is her idea of funny. God bless me with an amazing woman. She's got a dark, twisted sense of humor. I mean it, she's This is her idea of funny. I'm in my chair at home. Every man, you have a chair, don't you, sir? Darn right, you have a chair. You're a man. That's your throne. If you ever went missing, they give a cushion in that chair to a bloodhound, wouldn't they? Find that smell. And then they'd revive the dog and send him on his way. So I'm in my chair one afternoon, minding my own business. Now my wife comes up behind me. She starts rubbing me like that. She's got her arms around me like that. She's nibbling on my ear. And of course I'm thinking, is it February 29th? It was a nice moment between a man and wife. We were married 20 plus years at that point, and it was a nice moment, in like a few minutes, just really nice and tender. And then at one point, she kisses the top of my head, and she hugs me. She said, I love you, Jeffrey. I said, I love you too, baby, and she walks away. And I'm basking in the warmth of this. I mean, 10, 15, I mean, at times I would yell. She was in the kitchen, baby, that was nice. Thank you. 
And at one point, my son comes walking through. Hey, Dad, who drew that big smiley face on your bald spot? <laughs> yeah! What I thought was fingernails was a Sharpie. She was back there scratching artwork on my dome. So don't you feel sorry for her. She's sick and she's twisted. been married 32 years and uh, I got my father gave me one really wise piece of advice before I got married and it's held true for 32 years on my wedding day my father said to me before you argue with your new wife and you're gonna argue with her before you do take some time step back ask yourself two questions do you want to be right or do you want to be happy <laughs> right and then he broke down and sobbed right in front of me <laughs> I had no idea what that man was talking about. 32 years later, I can tell you this, I'm a happy, happy, happy man. I ain't been writing 12 years now. Sometimes I even have to ask her, am I happy? Oh, you better believe you're happy. Okay. I was just checking with you, buttercup. Call my friends up, I can't go golfing, but I'm a happy, happy, happy man. And don't get me wrong, we argue. You've got to argue in your marriage. You don't argue in your marriage, it'll build up in your brain over time and fries your brain. Yeah, and then you wind up like those babbling, mumbling couples you've seen in Arizona, Florida. These 50 plus years of marriage, they're kind of walking down the street. The wife is fine. It's the poor husband eight feet behind her that scares me to death. This poor man's all hunched over, he's vibrating, mumbling. Always telling me what to do. Start telling you what to do. I'm a man. You can't tell. I'm a man. I'm a man. This poor guy's starting to try to win back all the arguments he's been throwing away for 50 years. You know, he was 6'3 when he got married. Now he's four foot one. Look at the poor man. Weighed down by half a century of apathy. Leave a toilet seat up if I want to leave a toilet seat up. Tell me what to do. I hope you sit in the water every night. I don't care. And that's when she turns around. What'd you just say to me? I didn't say nothing to you. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> you have to learn how to communicate. That's the word, communication. You have to learn how your spouse communicates. That takes time. Men and women communicate differently. It took me two years of marriage to figure out my wife will never tell me to do anything around our home. If Tammy wants me to do something, she'll ask me a question. It's from the question that I gotta stand there and figure out what it is she wants me to do. <laughs> Simple example, say I leave a pair of my underwear in the middle of the bedroom floor, which frosts my wife. That's her word when she's angry. That just frosts me, Jeffrey. <laughs> if I'm not frosting her, I'm driving her up a wall. That's another one. Kids would come in, where's mom? She's up the wall with frostbite, that's all I know. You won't believe what put her there, man. It was that pair of underwear in the middle of the bedroom floor. You're looking at the most powerful piece of cotton on planet Earth. So I leave my underwear in the middle of the room. Would she come to me and say to me, pick those up? That's three words. Hey, pick those up. Three words! Would she say them? No, because that would be simple, direct, and right to the point. And at that moment, we would be communicating at the highest human level the way God the Creator intended it, through language. <laughs> she looks at me, looks at my underwear, and then asks, 
Are those yours? <laughs> I sure hope they are, otherwise I got a few questions of my own. <laughs> what do you want? That's the only question a man has for his wife. What do you want? Quit talking in code and tell me what you want. My favorite question, we weren't married two months. I'm leaving the house. I got golf clubs on my shoulder, got golf shoes in my hand, and everybody knows what she asked me. Where are you going? I was only married a couple months. I didn't know any better. I looked at, I'm going bowling, Columbo. What do you mean? If you're taking notes, that would be the wrong answer. An hour later, I was still in my living room. Come on, tell me, what is this about? Please, let me know, please. I can make the back nine, just let me know. It's about knowing the right answer. That's why, why your beautiful, intelligent wife would ask such a banal question. I know better today. If I'm leaving the house with golf clubs on my shoulder today and Tammy says, where are you going? We'll put these in the car, baby. I'm gonna come back and mow our lawn. That's just, yeah. just practicing leaving for golf. You gotta know your love language. I read a book. Some guy wrote a book, Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book called Five Love Languages. According to Dr. Gary Chapman, there are five languages of love between a man and wife. Tammy and I read that book twice in one week because we didn't see our love language in there. <laughs> yeah, apparently bitterness, sarcasm, not part of Dr. Gary Chapman's love life. That's, that's all I noticed. My parents had their own love language. 57 years they were married before my mother passed away. That last Christmas we knew would be mom's last Christmas, so it was a special one. We knew this would be it. So anyway, we were all sitting around watching television, the movies, Wonderful Life, those Christmas movies. My mom's doing her crochet, my dad's in his chair, and he starts serenading my mother in their love language. 57 years of marriage. <laughs> My mother didn't miss a beat. She didn't even say anything. She puts her crochet down, she goes into the kitchen, comes back 20 minutes later with two hot dogs and a soda pop for her husband. <laughs> How cool is that? <laughs> so that night I'm laying in the fajita with Tammy. <laughs> and I'm talking, I said, did you see that today? She goes, what, my parents, did you see that whole thing? She goes, I did. And I go, you think we'll ever get there, you and me on that level? Tammy says, shoot me if we do. You start hocking hairballs at me like that, it's over. That was one of the most vile, disgusting things I've ever witnessed in my life. I almost chucked my dinner all over the kid's head. Wow, I thought it was beautiful. I married a tough one. My, uh, Tammy's a tough, tough woman. First thing she did when we got married was take my spine away from me. <laughs> she did. She keeps it in her purse. It's handy in case I have to do something manly. <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning. I heard a noise. Here's your spine. Go down and see what it was. <laughs> I hate that wake-up call. She hears a noise. I gotta go down and see what it is. Well, if you were sleeping, you wouldn't have heard it. So go back to sleep, you won't hear the next one. Trust me, he's trying to be as quiet as he can. He'll probably apologize for waking us up. 
she should go down there. If he tracked mud on her new hardwood floor, she'd rip his thyroid out. <laughs> She's got a temper. I mean a temper. I'm not talking irritability and sarcasm because that's what attracted me to her. <laughs> Here's an example. We were eating breakfast one morning. One morning, just sitting at the breakfast, minding my own business, whistling. That's the kind of good mood I was in, whistling. Could explain why I didn't hear her ticking on the other side of the table. <laughs> I just wanted a butter waffle. You know what I'm talking about, man? You just want a butter waffle. No family business, no talk, no nothing. Butter, a waffle. <laughs> so I said, sweetheart, could you pass me the butter knife? <laughs> of course, now I'm thinking. <laughs> something must be bothering Buttercup. So I ask, something on your mind? She says, I'm fat. There's not a man in this room knows you can't respond to that. There's a twitch to the eye will get you killed at this point. If you're a newlywed, trust me, your wife ever says she's fat, you become mannequin man. You don't move a muscle. You certainly don't say anything. Just let her finish her thought, dig the knife out of the wall, butter the waffle. <laughs> then she says, we're joining a health club. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, I think I heard you say, you're fat and we're joining a health club. <laughs> that was the wrong answer. <laughs> Spoon. Of course we joined a health club. And if there are two people on this planet that should have never purchased a health club membership, it is Tammy and I. Trust me, I haven't moved with any purpose since I won the race at conception. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to brag, but I outran about four billion that morning and I'm still exhausted. We're lazy people. We're not ashamed of it. We've actually woken our children up to get the remote control for the television. We've had an exercise bike in our bedroom for 10 years. It's got about a mile and a half on it. And most of that was put on by the grandkids sitting on the floor just spinning the pedals. She once called me from the driveway to get her purse. Hello, get my purse. Where you at? I'm in the driveway. I'm going to the health club and I need my ID. How lazy are you? Hey, go get your mother's purse and bring it to her, will you? We've tried, you know, I, uh, I've tried things. When I was in my 20s, I tried skiing. Uh, when I was actually, I got knocked unconscious by the chairlift. I mean, I, yeah, it's funny now. But. If that wasn't humiliating enough, the insurance company that I had at the time wouldn't cover my head injury. I'm not making it up. Guy called me up at home and said, you got hit in the head with a chairlift. I said, yes, sir. He goes, wow, that makes you a moron. <laughs> and we consider that a pre-existing condition. <laughs> they had me. It was a loophole. <laughs> I wanted to get in shape. I wanted to get in shape. I have grandchildren now. They're running me ragged. By the way, if you're a young parent, everything I was told about grandchildren is true. It is. They are your reward for letting your teenagers live. That's, that's <laughs> Fight the urge, let those ingrates live, and they'll bring you a bundle of joy. They will. Just, 
time. But you've never been sicker in your life till you spent time around little children. You know that. They go to preschool. Why the CDC hasn't shut down every preschool in America? I'm not kidding. They, they're little germ magnets, agar gyres, or petri. They, if you went to an American preschool, shut off all the lights, turn on a black light, it would look like the surface of the sun in that place. And they're five years old. They don't know any better. They give stuff to each other. Give this one to your papa. And she'll wait till I'm sleeping on the couch and she just stares at me while I'm laying there. And you know, because of gravity, everything in her little mouth is splashing on my face. It's like sleeping under a toxic rain pipe. Vanilla wafers and Kool-Aid. Get this paste falling on your face. And as soon as I open an eyeball, she goes, oh, is that Ebola? I haven't had that one yet. And the worst is when they take a drink out of your water. They hand you the glass, you got a six-course meal floating around the top of it. You know, Papa, I'll get a new water. Water shouldn't have 40 grams of fiber in it, that's all I know. And they live nearby, which is really, really cool. We see them a lot. And uh, my son brought her over one day. He thought it'd be funny to teach my five-year-old granddaughter to give me a wet willy. Yeah, it's funny now. But, uh, so I got her on my, la on my lap and I'm bouncing around and she's licking her finger going, hey, Papa, hey, Papa, hey, Papa. You know, and it's kind of amusing, you know. 30 seconds into it, she goes, Papa, I got pink eye. What? <laughs> Man, squirting Perel in my eye. Oh my God, I'm gonna die. I wanna <laughs> so it was cool. She just turned five. We had the birthday at our house and it was really kind of cool. And uh, my son dropped her off, and they had to go get her a gift, a bicycle or whatever it was. They didn't want it there. So they drop her off uh, about an hour before the party starts, and she sees all the balloons and everything. She knows it's her birthday. She's five. So she runs down. I'm on the couch. I'm reading a book. She's running down the hall. I'm the birthday girl! And she disappeared. I didn't see her. And then I heard her plow into a wall. <laughs> and I only tell you this because people after the show will ask me, what sort of stuff makes you laugh? That would be one of them right there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm reading a book, she disappears, I hear ah! you know, That's funny, I'm sorry, that's funny. I tried to comfort her, but I couldn't stop laughing at her. I go, Evelyn, you were moving, I was moving, Papa. And when they cry at that age, they get that yo-yo, it gets about here, they I don't know how they know, it's just like you know, and you get transfixed on the yo-yo, and then the bubble shoots up. Did that come out your little head? You got to get the parent book out, bubble out the head. That could be dangerous. And I don't know what to do with it. I'm, she's crying, she's running her nose, and, my, and, and Tammy comes walking by, what happened? And she says, I would move it, baby. And uh, I said, she plowed in the wall, she, she's okay. I said, and she goes, what's the problem? I said, the stuff, the junk coming out of her nose. She, Tammy goes, oh, you're such a wimp. And Tammy grabs it. <laughs> she just grabs it like that, this, this toxic waste. Just... Now she's walking down the hall berating me. You're such a wimp, I'm sick and tired of it. And it was still connected to her nose. It was like, oh, oh. And she says to me, Tammy says, I bought you handkerchiefs. Who uses handkerchiefs? I don't see the attraction of blowing your nose and then stuffing it right back in your pocket. If you want to hang on to this stuff, leave it in its natural environment. 
And my father had handkerchiefs, and this is probably why. In our family, as a young boy, if I was crying and my nose was running, and my father was walking over with a bald of handkerchief. Oh, I backed that snot up as fast as I could, man. I'm all right, Dad. Look, nothing coming out. No, Come here, boy, let me wipe that face. No, not the handkerchief, Dad. Please, not the handkerchief. Then you hear him open it. Oh, no. Come here, boy. Oh my goodness, my eyebrows. I don't have any eyebrows. For an entire school year, my mother drew my eyebrows in every morning. For an entire semester, I was surprised every morning. You tell yourself as a parent, when they get older, it'll be better. That's what you tell yourself. Teenagers. I believe teenagers are God's revenge on mankind. I really do. I think, I think one day the good Lord was looking down over his creation and said, let's see how they like it to create someone of their own image who denies their existence. Because I have read the Bible more than once, cover to cover, and it, it never mentions how old the devil was when he rejected God's authority. If I'm guessing an age, I'm saying 16. Devil got his driver's license, drove to Georgia, that's all I know. One heck of a fiddle player, buddy. You can't argue with a 16-year-old. You can't. They have a three-word vocabulary. That's it. <laughs> is a word. <laughs> you gonna pass your history test? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> is another word. <laughs> well, you can't spend the night at your friend's house. You flunked the history test. And then that word, whatever, whatever, drove me insane. It affected my nerves. Because when it would come out of their mouths, I'd immediately boink them right in the eyes. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> stop that. And get your little angels ready for therapy. They're going. This is America. Your kid's gonna lay on a couch at some point in his life and blame you for everything. You might as well give him reasons going in. Don't stress about it, they're gonna do it. I told my kids when they learn to write, when you perceive an injustice in our home, do us all a favor, write it down and date it and I'll initial it for you. How come? Well, when you're middle-aged, my memory's not so good, we could breeze through the therapeutic process together. I'll just hand that book to the therapist. All that stuff with my initials next to it, I did and I'll be at the golf course. As a nation, we got 40-year-old men calling up their 65-year-old fathers and yelling at them at two in the morning and blaming them for all the grief in their life. It may be true. He may have a rotten father, but at this point in his life, what do you expect him to do for you? I got my answer ready. I'm waiting for one of my sons to call me up at two in the morning. You ruined my life. All I'm gonna say is, whatever. <laughs> Thank you.
answer, is there? Do over? You know, well, we didn't mean to ruin your life. Hey, why don't you move back home? Me and Mom will re-raise you. <laughs> yep, we're a lot calmer since our strokes, don't you know? We can't remember when bedtime is. We, we can't remember anything. You can, you can move home and help us find our shoes in the morning. That'll be fun. We can't find anything around here. Remote controls, car keys. It's like a scavenger hunt every day. You sure do sound like a nice young man. What was your name again? It's puberty. Something happens when a child hits puberty. My oldest son went through puberty at 11 years old. Not making it up. It took him a half an hour to get through it. There was a, but it was a terrible half hour. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm on the road. I call home. He's 11. He picks up the phone. Hey, man, how you doing? What's going on? What's happening? I called home the next night. That same boy picked up my telephone. Hello. Hey, who are you? Put my wife on the phone and get out of my house. And they're all different. My youngest son was 6'2", 230 pounds, 13 years old. This man-child walked around our home for months. His voice never dropped. <laughs> really? How do you keep a straight face during that phase of development? He'd yell at his brother. We'd have farm animals showing up at our back porch, just yelling down the hall, get out of my room. It's in my room. He's touching my stuff. Dial it down, man. There's two goats on the porch looking for you. That's real funny, Dad. Hey, hey, hey. You put that one in your stupid show. Hey, hey, hey. So I do. And the talk, every father in this room that had a son knows what the talk is. You sit him in a chair as a boy. When he gets out of that chair, he's a man, because for the first time in his life, he hears the facts. He hears the truth. You look him dead in the eye. Boy, you have got to quit eating all the food in this house. <laughs> there are five of us here. We feel like we're in competition for that food with you. This is an American home. It is not the Serengeti. There'll be more food tomorrow. Just slow down and save some for your little brother. That poor child's so skinny, he fell down a sewer grate. He did. It's a good thing he was wearing his bike helmet. He didn't fall all the way through. Those bike helmets save real lives. Are you kidding me? Any man in this room over 40 knows if you would have actually showed up for a bike ride when you were 12 wearing a helmet, you would have needed the helmet to keep your head from caving in while your friends were pelting you with rocks. Dorco, what's with that plastic hat? Cut it out. You dented my basket. I'm telling my mom. I had the pleasure of growing up in America before the lawyers took it over and ruined it on us. And yeah. In my day, if a kid fell off the monkey bars and chipped a bone in his arm, that was tragic, but it was funny to the rest of us. You know? <laughs> Certainly wasn't reasons to take the monkey bars off the playgrounds. We all did dumb things. That's how you learn not to do dumb things. C.S. Lewis said suffering was God's megaphone. That's right. You do dumb things, it hurts, and then you learn not to do it. But we're the most painted verses. And we, I'll give you an example. When I was 12, someone told me to get a ball jar, canning jar. Find some dry ice, put it in the jar, put the lid on it. So I said, what's going to happen? They said, it's going to blow up. And I said, cool. 
where do I get dry ice at? And they said, the ice cream man. So one day I heard the ice cream man coming down my street. I run out with one of my mother's canning jars, and I ask, you got any dry ice? He said, what you going to do with it? I said, I'm going to put it in this jar. I'm going to put the lid on it, and it's going to explode. Ice cream man says, oh, here's your dry ice. <laughs> That's the America I grew up in. Yes. And of course, that night, my mother was at our kitchen table picking shards of glass out of my forehead. <laughs> and my father came walking in. How that happened? Someone told me you put dry ice in a ball jar, it'll, it'll, it'll blow up. <laughs> so knowing that, you were just staring at that jar, waiting for it to blow right up in your face. Yep. <laughs> what am I raising, a moron? I'd see why you'd think that. I never did it again, because that had been really dumb. That's how you learn. <laughs> my nephew's coming by. This poor kid's 11 years old. I look at him, where's he going? My sister said rollerblading. I thought he was going to disarm a nuclear device. <laughs> poor kid looked like the Michelin man. Foam, rubber, plastic everywhere. She says, I don't want him to get hurt. I said, hurt? He could take a semi at 80 miles an hour in that outfit. <laughs> Falling on concrete is supposed to hurt. See, that's your incentive to learn to stay upright on the rollerblades. They've ruined everything. Playgrounds. I took my granddaughter to a playground. What happened to playgrounds? The slide is five feet high, made out of plastic. She would go four inches and stop, four inches and stop, four inches and stop. That's not a slide, it's a scoot. Wee papa, wee papa, wee papa, wee papa. What did we have? We had a six-story high solid steel structure. About mid-July. Mid-July would hit a temperature of about 285 degrees. You lose two layers of skin on the way down. Another layer when you hit the ground like a flat rock on a pond. <laughs> Come back picking gravel out of your thighs. Yeah! Now it's wee papa, wee papa, wee papa. I wanted to shove her down the slide. I did. I wanted to shove her so she'd know what an exhilarating feeling of sliding. And I felt six iPhones on my back. Go ahead, old man. We dare you. It's nuts. Car seats, I'm not against car seats. I'm just telling you, I'm tired of strapping my granddaughter in like a NASCAR driver to drive two miles to get a Diet Coke from the Mini Mart. She's 54 pounds. I'm gonna get a hernia hauling her in and out of the state. What age can you take them out now? Five, seven, 18, here's your high school diploma. You get to ride home like a big boy today. I mean, come on. Car seat, we didn't even have seat belts. I walked the back seat of my mother's car for four years. She'd be driving, I'd just be walking the back seat side to side. Sure, every now and then she'd hit the brakes, I'd fly up into the front. She'd toss me back like a trout. What are you doing up here? Get back there. I got pulled over by the police. I'm not making this up. I got pulled over by the police because it was sunny day and my granddaughter was in the back seat with sunshine through the window and the policeman said, I'm not gonna write you up this time, but you need to have a sunshade to protect her from the sun. I go, what? Are you kidding? I almost got arrested. I said, are you you're kidding me? This is a joke, right? When did the sunshine become this evil thing? Sunscreen, we didn't have sunscreen. You know what sunscreen was when I was a kid? Dirt, that's what it was, dirt. <laughs> And why? Because we would eat dirt and it would get all over our face and protect us from the sun. And then we'd wash it down with water from a garden hose. And then I'd take a bath, put on my asbestos pajamas and go to bed. 
And look how I turned out. The only kids we had to worry about this sun were the redheads, the gingers. You'd hear them sizzling like, like bacon in right field out there. You'd... Rusty, you might want to get in, you know, and the kid run off the field like a leper, pieces of them falling off, you know. We still didn't put sunscreen on them. We gave them a snow cone. Rub it on, you'll be fine. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I live in a small town. I love small towns. We have, uh, we got our first traffic light about four years ago. There were nine accidents the first week the light was installed. <laughs> yeah, it's funny now, but you know. <laughs> apparently the people who lived there their whole lives couldn't figure out what the floating red dot in the sky was. You know? <laughs> Just driving along. That's new. <laughs> oh. I love small, I do. We moved there from Arizona. The only reason we live where we live is because there were no homeowners associations. When we lived in Arizona, we had a homeowners association. And this may shock you, we've spent about 35 minutes together, but it turns out, comedy boy here has a little trouble with authority. <laughs> me and uh, the local Gladys Kravitzes didn't get along too well. They were always writing me up. Garbage can lids were off, garage door was open. My rocks, I didn't have a lawn, it was Arizona, so I had rocks and they were messy because my kids would run through them. Oh, your rocks are a little messy. Didn't know those are the ones that fell out of my head for moving here. <laughs> the day we sold the house, we were driving out back. I told my wife, I put the car in park, I said, I'll be right back, and I went through the rocks. <laughs> Terry says, What are you doing? I said, I'm just setting up a meeting between Gladys and the new owners. Because <laughs> I'm a people person. So we moved to Tennessee. I told my wife, I don't care where we live, just no homeowners. So that's the only rule I have. You can pick wherever we want to live. No homeowners. So we're driving around our little town, and we, we, it was uh, before uh, GPS and anything, so we, we didn't have directions to this house we were looking for. So we figured we'll ask somebody for directions. So we're driving down the street, and we see a family of four on, the co uh, on, the, on their front lawn, 
in the middle of an activity, I got to tell you, I've been around, I, I hadn't seen before. All four of them were in the process of burning the family couch on the front lawn. <laughs> I fell out of the car, I said, thank you, Lord Jesus, you have, you have brought me to the promised land. <laughs> There's no homeowners association around here. Tammy says, there's not even a conscience around here. Look at those people. It's like they'd never seen fire. All four of them were just staring at the flames coming off. So I rolled my spare tire up to them and I said, fire, wheel. <laughs> the problem when you live small town, there's not a lot to do. So we were eating dinner one night. And my oldest son was bored, and he was just whiny, and he was just really whiny. I said, what is your problem? He goes, there's nothing to do around this stupid town. I don't know why we moved here. And I said, you know, you're right. We do. There's nothing to do. So let's play a game. He said, what kind of game? I said, I'm going to snap my fingers. When I snap those fingers, what I want you to do, young man, is transport yourself anywhere on this globe you want to be, doing whatever your heart desires with whomever your heart desires to be with. This is your dream day with the person you dream to be with, doing what you dream to do. I want you to dream and dream big. I want to know the dream that's keeping you awake at night. Dreams are the engine that will drive you through this life. Prayer will be the fuel that will drive those dreams. I want to trust me, man. You stop dreaming, you stop praying, you're going to dry up, bitter up, and you're going to die long before your heart ever stops beating. So when I snap my fingers, young man, I want you to tell me where you're at, what are you doing, who are you with? So I snap my fingers and my 12-year-old son goes, uh, I'm at the mall in Bellevue playing video games with Brandon. <laughs> What? That's the big dream keeping you awake at night? Are you kidding me? How about horseback riding in Spain with J-Lo? Yeah, Tammy hit me in the face with a gob of mashed potatoes. That's a dream keeping you awake at night? No, man, you're asking me. I'm on the living room couch with you watching Law & Order, baby. You guys have been great. God bless you. Thank you so much. Great to be back. I got to tell you, I've been married to my wife, Tammy, for 33 consecutive years. Just one head after another. Thank you. And when you've been with a person that long, you learn to trust their instincts. So when she said to me a while back, you need to get diagnosed now. I said, for what? I feel fine. She said, that attention deficit stuff, I know you got it and it's driving me insane. <laughs> So I said, why now? She goes, what do you mean, why now? I said, well, if I got attention deficit, I've had it for 60 years. I've had it my whole life. It's not a virus. You can't catch it on a toilet seat. <laughs> it's not like you go to the bathroom in a mall and you come out two days later and you go, boy, I'm so distracted. Where did that come from? I don't know. <laughs> so why are you bother about it now? She said, because you keep telling me you'll do things around this house and you don't do them and it's driving me nuts. That's not attention deficit. That's passive aggressive. <laughs> And I've had that for 63 years. <laughs> but I honored my wife, because that's what a man does, sir. That's right, you do, right? You honor your wife. I went and got diagnosed. I spent an hour with a psychologist. After an hour, it turns out, I'm not only do I have attention deficit, I'm also a functioning hypochondriac. <laughs> functioning, I'm not clinical. Those people are sick. <laughs> but this is how God protects his children. It's my ADHD that keeps my hypochondria functional. <laughs> On those days, I've convinced myself I need an ambulance. By the time I get to the phone to call one, I've been distracted four or five times. <laughs> I usually wind up in the kitchen. I got a telephone. I can't remember why I got a telephone. And that's when I order the pizza. <laughs> so, 
My kids loved me. Dad's dying again. Really? Pepperoni pops. <laughs> and, and Tammy, Tammy mocks me. She does. She makes fun. We'll be laying in bed watching Discovery Channel and some strange new disease. Not four minutes into it, she leans over. You got it yet? <laughs> Thinking about it. What's well, a nodule? I can have nodules. I don't even want a nodule. Oh boy, I'm feeling nodule all of a sudden. It's when the kids are yelling, breadsticks, shut up, you punks, I could die on you. <laughs> She's taken an over, uh, an over interest in my health. She really did. A few years back, I had a physical. I, I was 60, I had a physical, no, normal thing. Full-blown physical. Takes seven to, days, seven to 10 days to get the results. So I'm on the road, she calls me up, she goes, the doctor's office just called about your physical. So I said, what'd they say? She said, I'll paraphrase. Doctor said, if you were part of a wildebeest herd, the lions would be circling you right now. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. She says, you're old, your heart's gonna blow up and you're gonna make me a widow. Because you don't do anything, you don't move, you don't do anything. So she went out and she bought two Fitbits, two, one for me, one for her, to monitor my, my entire movement. That was the whole point. She signed online to be my friend. <laughs> I didn't even know what that entailed until like, turns out they can monitor your life. I, she caught me in a lie, that's my point. She caught, I, I, I lie to my wife. I'm not, not often, but if you've been married more than a week, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> there are just conversations I don't want to have with the, and one of them was about my health. I'm telling you, she called, I'm, on, I'm on the road, I'm in a hotel room, one o'clock in the afternoon, I have not left the hotel room. One in the afternoon, phone rings, I see it's her, and I know she's gonna ask me, what'd you do today? And if I say nothing, she's gonna give me the whole widow argument. Your heart's gonna blow up, you're gonna die, you're gonna leave me alone. So phone rings, sure enough, first question she asked, what'd you do today? And I, I told her, I said, well, I got up, I walked them all. Came back, had some breakfast. She goes, short walk, you've only taken 91 steps all day. <laughs> How do you know that? She goes, I'm your friend. I go, well, not anymore, you're not. <laughs> I did learn something that day. Four trips to a commode at a Holiday Inn Express. 91 steps. <laughs> That's right. Every day's a learning day, folks. These Fitbits, I don't know if anybody has one. They monitor your entire life. They actually tell me how many times I get up in the middle of the night and use the restroom. Apparently, I wasn't giving up enough of my privacy to Apple, Google, and the government. <laughs> and then my wife sends me text messages based on that information. You were up five times last night, Jeff. Why are you so restless? Well, Brandon and Angelina split up. Who can sleep? <laughs> And if that isn't, I'm watching Golf Channel, 10 in the morning, two in the afternoon, I get a text message from my wife. Are you dead? You've taken 78 steps in four hours. <laughs> Most of that's because my foot fell asleep and then I was banging it on the floor. That's <laughs> sakes, woman, leave me alone. <laughs> so I looked for shortcuts just to get her off my back and I found out you don't even have to move to rack up steps on Fitbit. You just sit in your chair and move your arm up and down. <laughs> Look at me, folks, I'm running a 5K right in front of you. <laughs> so two weeks after the doctor tells me my heart's gonna blow up and I'm gonna make my wife a widow, she comes downstairs all excited and she says to me, I was thinking, Jeff, I was thinking. That's what she, are you married, sir? You know when your wife says she was thinking. All the air in your body goes right out, doesn't it? 
because what she was thinking about is something she's going to want you to do. You're not going to want to do it, but you're not a man anymore now, are you? In a minute. In a minute. Neither am I. So I've come up with a, a line of men's cologne for people like me. I'm calling it acquiescence. It's for real men who know when to comply. So I asked my wife, I said, what was you thinking about? That's what I said to her, what was you thinking about? She said, I was thinking about what the doctor said, we have to do something aerobically. I said, I don't think he said we, I think he said me. And she said, no, I think we should do something that's fun together, that's not exercise, something fun. I said, well, what'd you have in mind since you were thinking about it? She says to me, I always, that's the word she used, sir, always wanted to learn how to ski. <laughs> always. We've been married 33 years, the first I've heard of the skiing fetish. <laughs> To my knowledge, we've watched seven Winter Olympics together as man and wife. Never once while Lindsey Vaughn was zipping down the slopes did my wife lean over and go, whoa, I really want to learn how to do that. <laughs> I figured it out. I'm not taking up the sport that killed Sonny Bono at my age. <laughs> you want the insurance money, you can poison me like other wives. I'll get a meal out of it. <laughs> kidding me? I tried skiing when I was in my 20s and I was coordinated. I got knocked unconscious by the chairlift. What more sign from God do you need? And if that wasn't humiliating enough, the insurance company wouldn't cover my head injury. Guy called me up at home and said, you got hit in the head with a chairlift? I said, yes, sir. He goes, well, that makes you a moron. And we consider that a pre-existing condition. They had me. So my 60th birthday rolls around. That's a big one, sir. 6-0, waiting for my gift. 6-0 birthday gift. She buys me 12 hours with a personal trainer named Todd. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. I'm 2% body fat Todd. Well, hey, 2%. I'm 80% flabby Jeff. How you doing? First question he asked me, how long has it been since I had an exercise program? Well, let me ponder that one, Toddo. It's gonna take a while to do the math here. I'm 60, well, 60 years, nine months, didn't take that long at all. <laughs> to be honest with you, Todd, I haven't moved with any purpose since I won the race at conception. Yeah. I don't wanna brag, but Al ran three billion that morning. Still exhausted. <laughs> Undaunted by my response, Todd says, well, we'll start you out slow. That's what he said, we'll start you out slow. So I slept with ankle weights on the first couple of months. That was, a, you know, when you get up and use the bathroom as many times as I do in the middle of the night, you, get, you burn some calories. <laughs> you know what, we would all exercise. Everybody on planet Earth would exercise if the weight we gained was in a different place on our bodies. Think about where we gain weight, our stomachs and our behinds. It's never in our way. A couple pounds on your forehead would get you to a gym. Man, I can't see nothing. I'm gonna take my license away from me.
Tammy's dieting now, that means I'm dieting. That's the rules. Because I mean, I should, you honor your wife. If she wants to diet, I'm dieting. She's on keto now. We've tried paleo, we've tried Atkins, now we're on keto. She wants to get into ketosis. That's fine with me. I got cookies in my office in the basement. I don't know. I was handing out cookies to my grandchildren one day. One of you will betray me. Yeah. My grandson, is it me, Papa? Is it me? It is you, you little punk. Those crumbs off your lips. So I'm unpacking the groceries after the big keto buy. Tammy went out and bought a bunch of groceries for keto, and I'm unpacking them, and I come across rice cakes. Never had a rice cake in our home. Don't know what a rice cake is. Never eaten one. All I see is the word cake. And I call her out on it. I go, baby, I thought cake was a no-no with the keto. And she says, no, that's for our cheat day. Apparently on keto, you get to cheat one day a week. Cool as that. So a few days went by, and I'm ready for my cheat day. And I remember, sir, we have cake. I ran to the pantry, I pull one out, I pull a cake, a rice cake out of the package, I'm feeling it, yeah, it kind of feels like a brake pad, you know. <laughs> but it's cake, how bad can it be? Oh. I took a bite and never made it to my throat. <laughs> I said, baby, these are stale. She says, no, that's the way they are. I go, this isn't cake, it's caulk. <laughs> It's not food, it's insulation. Who are these people kidding? I threw the rest of them to our three dogs. I go, you eat these things. And our dog scarfed them right up. An hour later, went in my front yard and passed the thermos. Got a yard full of Yetis out there. I'm telling you, I can't keep up with the food anymore anyway. GMO, non-GMO, you know, we had food, didn't we, sir? We had food. That's when we were growing up, food. And you ate it because kids were starving in China. That's all you know. <laughs> Eat that. There's a kid in China starving. Oh, he's not getting my food. <laughs> now it's GMO, non-GMO, organic, non-organic, gluten, gluten-free, kale. I never saw kale in my life until Tammy went on keto. Now it's ubiquitous, it's all over my house. You can't put enough ranch dressing on kale to make it taste good. Oh, and then one night she makes kale chips. You know what kale chips are, sir? It's kale leaves on a cookie sheet burned in the oven at 400 degrees. They sit, she, she pulls out this smoldering heap of weeds. She throws them on my plate. I go, what are these? She said, kale chips. I go, it's a brush fire. What are you talking about? food? I tried to give him to my dog. My dog goes, no way, man. My dog, my dog eats the cat litter. What does that tell you? It's awful. Ah, oh, boy. And then my son married a uh, hippie girl. He married a hippie, a Minnesota granola cruncher. And, uh... <laughs> We love her to death, we really do, but we have butted heads more than once about diet. First of all, she makes a list of things we're not allowed, we're not allowed to feed our grandchildren. Are you kidding me? They're my grandchildren. I'm gonna give them whatever they want. If they want a silo full of sugar, I'm gonna pour them in it, just throw them in it, go ahead. There's a door on the bottom, eat your way all the way out there. 
kidding me? My son, my youngest boy, when he was born, we didn't give him sugar. We didn't. He was two, three years old, never had anything but plain Cheerios every day for breakfast. Plain. We didn't even put bananas in it. We just eat plain Cheerios, and he ate them up, loved them. The first time I visited my mother, I went out to the golf course with my dad. I come back. My three-year-old son, who never had sugar in his life, is up to his neck in a Jethro Bodine bowl full of Cocoa Puffs. He said, <laughs> he looked at me like I betrayed him. You lied to me. <laughs> and that was it. He never ate a Cheerio again. So I got grandkids, and I'm doing the same thing to mine. Just eat this. This is... My daughter-in-law says, no way. Then she gives us a list of things we can feed our granddaughters. You know what's on the list? Non-GMO organic fruit roll-ups. <laughs> Have you seen a fruit? You could patch a flat bicycle tire with a fruit roll-up. <laughs> I can't imagine what this thing is doing to her four-year-old colon as it's zipping through there. <laughs> and my daughter-in-law says, well, they're made with real fruit. I said, well, so is real fruit made with real fruit. <laughs> That's not on the list. She says, because you and your wife buy the wrong kind of fruit. I said, well, we buy the fruit that hangs on trees. What, what other kind of fruit is it? She goes, non-GMO organic. I said, I'm not spending 12 bucks for a banana. She can eat what we eat. She said, no, she can't, because it has pesticides. My daughter-in-law is afraid of pesticides. Are you kidding? In America, I grew up in, I'm telling you, my mother used to give me a puddle of mercury to play with on the kitchen table. <laughs> Jeff, play with this puddle of toxic waste with this lead paint chip I got for you. <laughs> play around in that for a while, then she'd come by, scrape it into my tuna, and I'd eat it for lunch. <laughs> and now I can't get peanuts on an airplane anymore because little Joey, six rows back, might get some peanut dust on his elbow and drop dead. <laughs> Will someone tell me where all these peanut allergies came from? about my age. You even remember one kid with a peanut out. Not one. Now they're ubiquitous. I'm telling you, terrorists do not need to blow up any buildings. They need to take over a planter's factory and crop dust Atlanta. That's it. They'd wipe out a third of the millennial population. They would. And if you have a peanut allergy, don't send me an email. You don't know what it's like. I mean, disgusting. Drop dead all in you. <laughs> my father used to give my brother and I food my sisters didn't have to eat. He called it man food. It was sardines in a can. <sighs> and he said, I said, I'm not eating this. He said, it'll put hair on your chest. I'm eight years old. That a good thing? <laughs> he said, every man wants hair on his chest, boy. Really? Yeah, who knew in the 21st century all the men would be waxing all the hair off their chest? <laughs> I want to meet the first man that ripped the hair out of his chest. I really do, because I'm going to punch him right in the face. <laughs> in a Christian loving way, of course. <laughs> Tammy says to me about a year ago, she goes, I want you to look into the waxing thing. That's what she said, sir. I want you to look into the waxing thing. I honored my wife. I looked into the waxing thing. Came back and told her, get used to the pelt. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Have we lost our minds as a culture? We spend billions of dollars to have somebody rip the hair out of our body by the root. That hurts. <laughs> but we won't let our federal government drip water on the faces of terrorists. 
think the CIA needs to open up some spas around the world. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You know, Ahmed, before we send you back to the battlefield as part of the new Western Civilization Catch and Release program, you're in luck. The U.S. government's gonna clean you up today, my man. Those 72 maidens you're dying to lay with in the next life, they don't want to lay next to a throw rug. So get in the van, my hirsute little friend. We're going to the mall. Just a thought. <laughs> so full disclosure, I got waxed. <laughs> I know. Tammy kept pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. She finally said the magic words. She said, I think it would be sexy on you. <laughs> Look at my wife and I have been married 33 years. Sexy is not a word often used in our home. <laughs> Our idea of sexting is we send pictures of desserts to each other on our cell phones. I'll get it back from her. Is that a six-layered carrot cake? So I don't care what it is. If my wife said to me, you know, a face tattoo would be sexy. I'm getting it done. That's all I'm saying. There are three billion women that inhabit planet Earth. I only care if one of those women thinks I'm sexy. That's it. Her. So I made a decision when she leaves town, I was going to surprise her. I said, I'm going to get waxed. I got on the Google. I looked up the waxy people. <laughs> Found Michelle. It's Michelle. Don't make the mistake of calling her Michelle. <clears throat> Apparently, I hit a sore spot. <laughs> so, Michelle gets me all ready to go. Lathered up, got a piece of tape there. She says, you ready? I said, yeah, you know. She goes, <laughs> I've never had that happen. I tried to scream and nothing came out. I gotta figure there were dogs two blocks away going. Sounds like another man's getting a wax job. <laughs> With Michelle. It hurts so bad, I'm telling you. I, I, and then she starts to put another piece of tape on me and I can't, I ended up tapping out like a wrestler. I'm packing on. And then I found my voice, I said, no! Get away from me, you sick woman! Don't touch me. That's what I wanted to say when I couldn't say. I was gonna quit, I really was, I was gonna leave. And I looked in the mirror and I had this white strip. It looked like a name tag with no name on it. It was just, you know, and all these weeds around it. You know? So if you're locked in, I couldn't stop. Anyway, she, she just says, I could take my time. I go, don't take it, just get it over with. cleans me up, I look in the mirror, I was pink, sir, I was pink, I was raw pink. I look like a flabby piece of bazooka bubblegum. 
And all I can think of is she thinks it's sexy. Okay. No counting for taste, but I'm all in. So the next day she came home from the road, I went on a surprise her. So I went in the bathroom, put on some shorts, I took off my shirt, I'm standing there in shorts, no shirt, trying to get her to notice while we're conversing. She looks at me, she says, are you having a stroke? I said, no. She goes, what'd you do? I said, I got waxed. Ew. That's not the reaction I was looking for. What's the ooh? She goes, oh God, put a shirt on, it's creeping me out. She goes, you look like Patrick from SpongeBob, Jeff. Come on. Patrick's not sexy. The things you do to honor your wife, sir. Never again. Marriage is, it's give and take, it's, it's, it's you, you, make, you, you make concessions, you make things, you know. I, I'm a recovering drug addict, alcoholic. I've had, I've had 32 years without a drink. Or, uh, <laughs> so. I've been married 33 years, so after a year of marriage, I realized it was one or the other, and I made a decision to quit. Now, Tammy has had closet vision for 33 years, and it's one of those things that drives me crazy as a husband, but she won't do anything to correct it. And now uh, you tell me, this is closet vision. For 33 years, this is how we have a date to go out. Tammy will get in the shower, get out of the shower. She'll wrap herself in a towel. She'll stand in front of her mirror. She'll do her hair, do her makeup. And then she'll walk into her closet and go blind for an hour. <laughs> All I hear coming out of the closet, there's nothing to wear. Nothing, nothing. Every now and then she'll emerge holding something. What do you think of that? And I'll say, you'll look beautiful in that. She'll go, you're just saying that. You're right, I am. I don't care. Put on burlap. Let's just get to the restaurant before they change management one more time. I just... And I was thinking about it. This has got to go back to the Garden of Eden. It really does. It says in the Bible, Adam and Eve sinned for the first time. And it was the first time they felt shame. Shame of their nakedness. And they felt if they could clothe themselves, they could hide their shame from God. It was the first time mankind clothed themselves. So you know Adam got dressed right away. <laughs> first leaf on the ground, poof, I'm ready, let's go. Eve probably shopped that garden three, four days, never found anything. Just walking around. I don't know what he expects us to wear. There's nothing to wear around here. Adam's going, try the fig. Nobody wears a fig after September, you idiot. <laughs> try the fern. The fern makes me look fat. Don't you have an animal to name? Get out of here. It's amazing how quick Tammy's vision would come back once she was dressed because she'd leave the closet, look at me and go, you're not wearing those clothes out, are you? No, these are my practice clothes. They went out of style while I was waiting for you to get dressed. <laughs> I mentioned my grandbabies, I am a grandfather and anybody, anybody here that's a grandparent knows those are the most special, special people on the planet. They really are. And they're the most heartwarming. And I can tell you where I was and what time of day it was when my granddaughter, the first grandchild we had, said my name, Papa. She was in the bathtub, we were watching her, she was at the house, and she was splashing around in the tub in the early evening, and my wife calls me into the bathroom, she says, you gotta hear this. And my little granddaughter's sitting there, and Tammy says, Evelyn, who is that? And Evelyn goes, Papa. I'm telling you, man. I started crying. 
And that's what Tammy said. You need to get a blood test for that low T stuff. <laughs> She says, you need to go get tested for low T. And I said, uh, sir, I honored my wife. That's what you do, you honor your wife. I got tested, blood test. Anyway, they call me up and they go, you don't have low T. I go, I don't? He goes, no, you have no T, none, zero. We had to retest you, it was so low. They told me I was elevated in estrogen. I had high estrogen levels and no testosterone, which explained all the HGTV I had been watching. Yeah, my friends would call me on Sunday. Hey, man, the Bears are on. I'd go, no way, man. Chip and Joanna got a special. I mean... <laughs> so I said to the doctor, if I do this tea thing, if I do this tea thing, what will it do for me? And he said, you'll be like a 25-year-old man again. I went, really? Will I be that stupid? Because <laughs> I got to tell you, I don't think my body could survive my 20s again. I really don't. He says, no, you'd be like a 25-year-old. And I go, really? I got a 58-year-old menopausal wife at home. Think I should consult her to see if she wants a 25-year-old man chasing her around? <laughs> She'd finally put a knife in my chest and end it. I know she would. The next thing you know, she's on Dateline trying to defend herself. You ever watch Dateline? I'm telling you. The whole franchise is spouses killing each other. That's it. Men, men, watch five datelines with your wife. You'll look her right in the eye. We doing all right, you and me? Yeah. I'm telling you, that menopause, I didn't see it coming. I really didn't. There are nights that I lie in bed and dream about the good old days of PMS. Trust me. There are weeks that go by. I cannot get her home cold enough for her body. I'm telling you, there's not enough Freon in the world. If there's a hole in the ozone, it's over the roof of my home in Tennessee. It's 48 degrees in my bedroom. I got meat hanging off my curtain rods. She walks in and turns on some 64-bladed fan she installed. I had to bolt the furniture to the floor to keep from getting sucked up through the roof. She stands in the middle of the room. Why is it so hot in here, Jeffrey? Why is it so hot? I can't see her because of the fog that's coming out of her mouth. And then she wakes me up to feel her night sweats. Is that even necessary? <laughs> I'm sound asleep when she zips my parka open while I'm laying there. <laughs> Wake up and feel this, Jeffrey. It's disgusting. <laughs> Look at me. There's like a furnace in me or something. You're lucky you don't have to go through this. You know, I wouldn't if you'd quit waking me up and telling me about it. I could sleep right through the perspirating. I could. Doesn't make a lot of noise. Oh, and one night I wake up, there's a human being at the foot of my bed. Three o'clock in the morning. I don't know if you've ever had this. There's a full-grown human in three in a dark room. Ah, I, almost, ah, I almost had a heart attack. It was her. She's at the foot of my bed, cutting off the bottom of her flannel pajamas with scissors because they were sticking to her sweaty legs. And this demonic thing was coming out of her mouth. Can I grab my sons the next day? I said, Mom's going through some serious stuff here. Like what? Remember those nights you didn't do your homework? She'd get mad and yell at you real loud. He goes, yeah, I remember that. This is different. She might be crying and then stab you. Local man. 
robs Wendy's with alligator. We're the alligator boys now. And the lady would be sitting in the bank. She'd be going, Mom, Mom. If you love what you heard today, don't keep it to yourself. Share this episode with friends and family and let's spread the laughter. Don't forget to check out the show notes for more information on today's guests and special offers just for our listeners. Thanks for tuning in and we'll be back soon with even more laughs. Join the fucking funny community today. <laughs>